everyone. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 89 of the show, where we are beginning our journey through April of 1965 with all the Marvel superhero comics and assorted other titles that we cover. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Just 11 more episodes to go, and then we are retiring unless we get 100 individual emails from 100 unique people asking us to keep going. (laughs) So get cracking. No pressure. (laughs) So, I mean, there's there's at least 100 of you out there. There's a few hundred, I think. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Come out of the woodwork already. I think we're starting out with, um, with Thor. With a little Thor. Yep. All right. That is a journey into mystery. I think it's on me this time, right? It is on you. Whoa. I remembered. I don't yeah. usually do that. Well, you were really sad that I covered Amazing Spider-Man 25, probably. You stole it from me. I did, without even knowing how important it was. It's a pretty good issue, though. It was. Um, well, we are at 117 of Journey into Mystery. So we have Thor, and um, this is Into the Blaze of Battle. The most powerful Avenger of all time thunders into the blaze of battle. So it makes you wonder who is actually the strongest Avenger. He looks like he's the mightiest of all time. Well, he's not an Avenger anymore. This is a horrible cover. Oh, shoot. You're right. Yeah. Well, he doesn't know that, though, does he? Officially? Or, like, does he ever learn that? Or does he yeah, just he, assume? He, no, no there, there, there is a point where he realizes <laughs> the Avengers roster has changed and he okay. doesn't care to keep going. So, yeah, that's going to happen. Um, but it hasn't happened yet. You're right. No, he's just said goodbye and left, right? But mm-hmm. with the intention of coming back, I assume. I got to go to that whole trial thing. Right, right. Our uh, corner box has changed somewhat. It's basically the same design, but yet he has a different facial expression. Instead Mm. of the big old smiley Thor, he's now somber Thor. Because he lost the the, the battle. I guess. The challenge. So, um, speaking of that, speaking of the Trial of the Gods, we are just coming out of that from last issue. And a story regally written by Stan Lee, dazzlingly drawn by Jack Kirby, invincibly inked by Vince Coletta. Wait, if it's invincibly, how is Vince doing it? Oh, well. Hey, that's a good one. I don't know. Lonesomely lettered by Artie Simic. Um, Thor comes out of the portal, realizing that Loki has gotten back to Asgard ahead of him. And all the Asgardians are like, hey, Loki's here first. And Thor's like, you tricked everybody. And Loki's like, I'm Loki. Thor uh, catches up to him and, and, and beats him up. And the Asgardians are like, we've got to bring you to the Great Hall of Valhalla. Which is, of course, the ceremonial chamber of Odin. Odin is sitting up there, and he's like, um, "Well, Loki got here first, and and Loki and Thor says that Loki tricked him, and and Loki says that Thor is lying, and o- Thor says, "Well, send me back to Earth. I can get proof that Loki was lying." And well, we'll, we'll, we'll come to it. We'll come to it. Uh, Odin's like, "Fine, you know what? I uh, I owe my favorite son a favor. So go to Earth. Bring me Loki's." Uh, proof his his bag of Norn stones and, and if you can do that in 24 hours then I'll pass final sentence so Thor gets sent down to earth and back on earth Balder in planes clothes is fighting with the executioner while the enchantress has captured Jane Foster so there's a fight and Thor arrives in the middle of the fight and he helps Balder beat the bad guys back and save Jane 
And um, then he swings his hammer around and decides that he's going to go to um, oh to, to find the, the Nornstones. He, he has his hammer like home in on them. Mm-hmm. Ancient Uru hammer, find the stones. And it takes him all the way around the world to Asia, uh, to the communist lookout point in the Viet Cong area of Vietnam. So Thor goes to Vietnam. And he's just looking for some stones and people are shooting at him. Because, you know, that's what you do. He gets actually shot out of the sky and loses consciousness and is taken and nursed by a family in a village. Um, the uh, the man in the family is named Cho. The uh, uh, wife is named Kim. And I don't know if we get the mother-in-law's name. Um, anyways, so he wakes up and he's been nursed. He's trying to find the Norn Stones. He uses his... Uh, um, hammer to try to get through the underbrush, but it's too thick, so he smacks it and turns back into Don Blake. Meanwhile, Loki back in Asgard is talking to Carnilla, queen of the Norns. She wants her stones back, and he's like, uh, yeah, you'll get them in a little bit. Right now, I'm using them as bait to, uh, to destroy, you know, Thor, cause, cause I hate him. And, um, he looks through his crystal ball. He sees that Don Blake is trying to find the Norn Stones and he gets captured by some Vietnamese soldiers. He gets taken to a prison. Uh, he gets uh, his bound to his sword so he can't smack his sword until he does smack his sword, his sword, his stick. And he turns back into Thor and he's walking through this cave and he sees all these bombs and missiles and artillery. And he sees just a bag of stones sitting on top of the shelf of bullets, just like, you know, any other Tuesday. He's like, oh, that's what I wanted. Um, Meanwhile, the uh, um, the family that nursed him back to health, one of their family members, like a brother, Cho's brother, is working for the communist soldiers. And so they're all sad. So they're here in the uh, base as well, and they see their brother, and he actually shoots them, and everybody's super sad. Thor gets the stones, beats up some soldiers, and flies away. And the brother who was uh, working for the communists is so upset at everything he's done that he goes into the cave of artillery and shoots it, causing the entire thing to explode. And so Thor flies back to, uh, um, to safety, thinking that Cho's brother finally died like a man. So, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Um, it, it started out pretty well. Well, I don't know if it ended badly either, but it does kind of date it when he's fighting in Vietnam, I guess. But yeah, what are, what are you going to do? He's not shouting for democracy like he was in any issues. <laughs> oh, that's true. I forgot he's already done this before, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, Odin, let me ask you something, Odin. I don't understand you. Because the whole point of the trial was to determine who's more honest, right? Because it was right. like a – it's like I did – I don't even remember what the trial's about now. But Thor was saying one thing, Loki's another. It's like, well, I can't figure out who the liar is in this dysfunctional family. So I'm just going to make you guys physically fight and that proves who's honest. So A, that's dumb. But B, fine, you're gods and you guys do dumb things. But then like at the end of this, Thor's like, again, hey – he brought in uh, enchanted stones and then he tossed them onto Earth while no one was looking. And Loki's like, no, I didn't. So you would think at that point, Odin would go like, okay, I guess we have to have another contest. Right. But instead he says, well, I believe Thor because Loki, you're a treacherous traitor liar. So it's like, well, why did we have to have this contest in the first place then? Yeah, it seems to be kind of fickle. 
Um, the yeah. Child of the Gods was given a lot of import and a lot of like weight. This really has to happen, mm-hmm. and especially with reading the Avengers and find that he's you know he had to st- he couldn't say it to get to care of the Trial of the Gods. That just makes it feel super important. Go say goodbye to Jane because he has to go through the Trial of the Gods. So he does the Trial of the Gods, and you know he loses the race, but it's because Loki tricked him. Mm-hmm. But now he's got to prove that Loki's tricking in order to <laughs> prove that Loki was tricking. Yeah, like I he, mean. Maybe yeah. they should become a democracy, this Asgard place or something. Or maybe they should put somebody else on the throne. That's what I mean. Like, vote in some new blood, because this dude's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, I didn't mention the synopsis, but after the big old fight with the execution and Enchantress, they make Jane forget stuff. Mm, and this yeah. is like the second time <sighs> in pretty quick succession that- I know. They've made her forget stuff. She just has like literally no agency now. Like she doesn't even have a memory anymore. I don't think she even has any lines. She, she didn't say anything. Both times it's just I get kidnapped and then they erase my memory. It's like you're just a thing to be fought for, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to say, and not that it's a great fight even, but I would take a 12-issue miniseries where Balder just hangs out in New York in a business suit and takes on gods with his fists. That was pretty cool. Balder was looking pretty good. Like I beating like, people up in his suit. Yeah, I like the suit. I like the suit better than his big horn purple outfit. I think he should just wear that all the time. Um, on page six, when Thor is flying into Vietnam, the people down there are like, "What is? What type of missile is that? It looks more like a no. It can't be." And I'm like, "What does does it look like? It might be a bird or or, or a plane." Oh, is that what they're trying to go for there? Could I don't be. know. Maybe. Yeah, it could very well be. But then we have a really important point made in that last panel. He says, although my lifespan is endless under normal conditions, I can still be slain by weapons or other artificial means, which honestly, I don't think we've ever had laid out for us like that before. No. And then the next panel, he gets knocked out by a mortar. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Some sort of explosion? Some sort of explosive. So then it's like... That's the thing about Thor I always wonder about, and I guess we could just keep track as we go, but like, he's a god, and he could trade punches with the Hulk, and the Hulk can survive like mortars and nuclear explosions, but Thor, if you shoot at him, better spin his hammer, or the bullet kills him, or, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like weird invulnerability issues. I never know how invulnerable he is or not, and the fact that he can get knocked out by a grenade when you know, like, the Hulk would just eat it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of interesting. Now it does it does emphasize in the in the narration that it's a really strong blast. Could reduce a stone wall to rubble. Could rip a steel tank to shreds. Mm-hmm. Could tear a gaping hole into the side of a battle cruiser. Um, it does not bring destruction to mighty Thor. It just makes knocks him out. Yeah, it just knocks him out. There's no blood or anything. So mm-hmm. maybe it was just a lucky blow to the head or something. Yeah, it's just a really big explosion. But you don't really think about Thor standing there like Superman with bullets bouncing off his chest, do you? No, although I feel like he could. Like, I don't know. I feel yeah. like he could toss yeah, the bullets could, aside. Yeah, could he, but why doesn't he ever? So is it just because it's rude and he'd rather swing his hammer and knock him out? Or I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe he does have to swing his hammer. He always uses that as a, as a, as a shield to just like swing it in front of him in a circle. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know. Um, I feel like this is another effort to put a human face on other cultures, even though mm-hmm. it's brief. I feel like it's an attempt to avoid painting the entire Vietnamese culture with one brush mm-hmm. um, in these scenes. And I realize as I've been reading through here that this is probably an active effort on the parts of the creators, maybe Stan Lee and, and the artists as well, um, trying to show young readers other people in the world. 
and just I don't know. We saw it in Sergeant Fury. We see it here. We're going to see it more in Sergeant Fury. So these guys are are gorillas, right? That that yes. rescue him, and so and the choppers are patrolling, looking for them, and they have no food because you know everything's been weighed to lay or you know laid to waste, right? Mm-hmm. And here's Thor, and then in the last panel, it's like. Ooh, the stones. Anyway, see you guys. <laughs> and I just kind of thought that was sort of awkward. Like, he's sitting up. He's looking around. He's like, it's true. They have no food. Look, there's helicopters in the sky looking for them. Oh, anyway, the stones. I'm out of here. Right, right. And just leaves them behind. It was kind of like jerky. I don't know. They, you could have you killed the helicopters for him or something. There's so few. And the communist foe is so many and so cunning. Ooh, hammer tingles. <laughs> yeah, hammer tingles. God. What literally says tingles? Um... Yeah, that, they've been doing that lately. Thor has tingles. Iron Man has tingles. Daredevil has tingles. Spider Man yeah, has tingles. Everybody's tingling. Everybody. As soon as Cap Shield starts tingling, I'm out. Makes no sense. So Thor's trying to get through the underbrush, mm-hmm. and he's having a hard time with his mobility. Because so what does he do? He yeah. transforms into a lame human form who can't really walk very well. Has to have a walking stick. It's like, doesn't Don Blake have his, uh, isn't that his, his whole thing? Is <laughs> he that he can't has walk. mobility problems? Yeah. And you'd think the guy who can like rip through a tank would have no problems walking through some thick brush. Yeah. Just but, toss it aside. Well, it, you know, we just saw that last issue. He wrapped yeah. his, uh, he grabbed his helmet, just started knocking stuff aside. That's right. Um, we have seen this woman before. I don't know if you remember. There was a time oh, yeah. that Balder couldn't die, but Loki tried to blow a mistletoe dart, mistletoe dart at him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carnilla was the queen of the Norns and she was the one who told him that mistletoe could kill Balder. But all, the part of that story was that all of nature was like helping protect Balder and Carnilla herself stepped in to help Balder and protect him from the dart. Um, so she's going to be increasingly important down the road. I don't know if she's really that important yet. Mm-hmm. She's nicer in this one too, because I think the last one she cooperated with him, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Although well, she, she, she that, did this that's time, the too. she did. Yeah, she gave him the stones this time, apparently. So is she bad or not bad? I don't know. I think she's chaotic neutral. I think mm-hmm. she does her own thing for her own means and mm. doesn't really care about anybody else until she decides to get a hankering for some baldness. That's the scariest kind of person. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, page 11, he's tied up. His walking stick is behind his back. And his mm-hmm. elbows are hooked in it, and then he's tied around it. So it's like, can you fall on your side and then turn the page and he falls on the side? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, this better not be, like, the hardest thing for him to figure out because it seems pretty easy. Just fall sideways and you're fine. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he did, so that was cool. I was not expecting the brother, though. The brother was – I mean, it's already page 12. The mm-hmm. story's ending soon. And we're like, Husak, my brother, is this why you left us to serve the merciless red tyrants? It's like, oh, a twist. A twist. An evil brother who guns down his mother. That was really messed up. Yeah. And his brother. His mother and his brother or something. Um, it was unintentionally with the mother, right? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it was, uh, it, he meant to shoot his brother, but then regrets it immediately and did not mean to also hit his mother. Yeah. He just got – he went into rage monster mode because his whole color turned red. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they died. That was kind of – that was kind of horribly violent, considering lately they seem to be avoiding killing. So yeah, to, yeah, they to gun down an old lady was like, wow, I can't believe they did that. And then just to drive the point home for everyone in the back, on the last page, who I think his name is Husak, says, it was communism that made me what I am. 
that shaped me into a brutal, unthinking instrument of destruction. To communism, then, may it vanish from the face of the earth and the memory of mankind. And she's like, okay, we got it. <laughs> that, and it's like one of those things where it's like, this is going to be a problem unless he kills himself. Oh, good, he killed himself. Because Thor's like, I'll come back for you later. And it's like, to do what? What are you going to do? You're going to kill him? Or you're going to, you can't really just take him home and arrest him, can you? Or. So he just wraps it up neatly for Thor, and Thor doesn't have to do anything. He just blew up the whole place for him. But um, but yeah, this is he he yeah. he flies off with the um, surviving sister slash daughter of the family, saving her from the explosion. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know what's going to happen next. It doesn't really lead us into anything. It's not really no. a cliffhanger. It could it be actually, the end of the story. It says the end actually for once. It's been right. a while. I don't know, man. Like they took us away. They took the. Zorby man away in order to do this contest thing. And then they did this contest thing, which was kind of okay. And then like, this is how it wraps up in Vietnam, which just seems sort of hokey and too easy. And it's like, eh, I don't know if this, this awesome God contest of the gods trilogy was super awesome. No. Um, so should we go into the tale? Yeah. The sword in the scabbard beginning. Uh One of the greatest sagas of all time by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Inking mm-hmm. Vince Coletta, lettering Artie Civic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it turns out peace is a bad thing. Yep. You get too Horrible. much of it and everyone starts fighting each other. Psh, stupid mm-hmm. human. Uh, they're not even human. Stupid gods. Mm-hmm. And Odin's like, y'all stop fighting. Me, damn it. And um, they're like, oh, Odin's spoken. We're, we, we, sh- we should stop fighting. We have to obey him. I was like, where are my sons? Where are Loki and Thor? And Loki and Thor are um, just kind of hanging out and fighting amongst each other. Um, I don't know if they're friendly brawling or if they're really going after it. Well, Thor says that Loki's gone too far, so I guess they're really, like, deathmatching here. And Odin's like, stop fighting! I told the other guys, everyone's stopping fighting. That's what we're doing today. We're not going to fight. Tired of the fighting. Um, And, of course, Loki's like, Thor started it. And Thor's like, Loki's lying. And uh, he's like, whatever, come with me got a problem and i need you two with me um they go to find the oversword of asgard sometimes referred to as the odin sword this is a giant sword stored horizontally in its scabbard and it is prophesied that if odin ever draws the blade that's when the end of the universe is going to happen that's when ragnarok is going to happen so it's just sitting there and odin's like if i ever draw this then the planets will tremble with fear. So I'm not going to draw it today. I'm going to pull it out just a little bit and look. The blade's cracked. They're like, oh my gosh, who cracked your blade? And Odin says, time for you to go find out. I sense an open-ended story here. The next issue, witness the spellbinding start of the quest. Yeah, open-ended story. So it turns out Asgard is just middle school. Well, you know, they're like a warrior race, so I guess if they get bored, that kind of makes sense. They start fighting each other, I suppose. But are they a warrior race? Yeah, they are. Vikings, all that. I mean, that's what I would think of them as. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the Odin sword, I mean, it's one of those visibly iconic things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come up very often, but when it does, it's like, oh yeah, that's the Odin sword. It's just a giant sideways sword. And it gets larger and more elaborate over the years. So when he says the planets would tremble with fear, is he just speaking poetically or does it literally like cause destruction when he unsheaths the thing? 
I don't think that it, unsheathing it causes the destruction. I think it's just everyone knows that whatever whatever will eventually lead him to unsheathing it is that you know that is going to mean that the time of the end is near. Like it's Ragnarok Day whenever he unsheathes that sword. It's kind of the worst sword ever. Like that's just way too big to be effective, right? Yes, yeah, like Cloud know. in Final Fantasy VII, right? Pretty much, yeah. Um, speaking of swords, Loki has his sword again. That at some his point magic he had. sword. Yeah, it's like if Thor gets a magic thing, then Loki gets a magic thing. Mm-hmm. But our, but his magic thing isn't that cool because we don't ever think about Loki with this magic thing. But he's and been sporting it lately. What kind of magic does his magic sword do? Right. It's just like I, a sword. I still contend that it probably sings. <laughs> yeah, singing just like Roger, Roger Rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I could remember what the song was. I forgot. Oh, well. Uh, Wicked Witchcraft. Uh, That's what it was. <laughs> I think that's Dean but Martin, yeah. right? Dino Martini? Martinelli? Is Martinelli? that Dino Martinelli or Manelli? Yeah, Dino I Manelli think so. singing songs at us. I think so. Right across a picture of him online. I was like, oh, that looks really does look just like <laughs> Dino Manelli in the comics. Yeah. But I don't have a whole lot on this. I mean, it's, it's starting a quest, which is cool. Um, let's see what you want to see what Gene has to say. Absolutely. Gene Hendricks, Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. Da, 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 da. Gene, he says he's an Asgardian advisor to the show because he is a worshiper of the Norse gods. And he writes that, all right, I know that this story is technically in the purview of Tales of Asgard, but it feels much more like a regular Thor story. Mm. It is nice to see the first appearance of the Odin sword, which will play a part in about 200 issues with the <gasps> Eternals saga. <laughs> Jeez. Um, the Eternals series that Jack Kirby does in the early 70s um, kind of just ends abruptly with a lot of subplots left dangling. And so Roy Thomas and others bring those over to Thor and mm. wrap a lot of that up and do a whole Eternals saga in the pages of Thor. That's cool. Um, Gene says that is 100% a Marvel invention. So there's no Norse lore in this story, unless you count Thor and Loki going off on a trip. But after Little Red Riding Eden a few issues back, I'm okay with that. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, that doesn't shock me. That doesn't shock me. It looks like a big Kirby sword. So Yeah, it's a big Kirby sword. Chances are there's no Odin sword. Although Odin having a gigantic sword sitting over here in this hallway, I feel just like says so much about his psychology. Right, it's got like a scabbard with two fi- flaming fire pits on the side of it, and right, it's just right, crazy. yeah, it's crazy. He just keeps the giant sword on hand for you know, <laughs> sure, for whatever. Yeah, right. This big unwieldy sword that he probably can barely pick up, but yeah. Especially if, like, isn't this the same Odin who went to Earth and then one day just transported all of us to a pocket dimension so he could deal with some things? Yeah, and yeah it's like, like, why do you need a have- sword? <laughs> You know, some people, they, like, stretch and pop their knuckles before they fight. Odin stretches, pops his knuckles, and banishes the human race to a pocket dimension. Right. It's like, I feel like a sword is unnecessary to this guy. But, hey, what do I know? Um, Hey, Mike. Yeah. Are you ready to go through the final giant man story? <sighs> I don't know, man. I'm feeling like I just don't want it to be over. <laughs> I think you're lying. <laughs> I am lying. Tales to Astonish, number 69. I'm not nice. even going to read all that blurbage. It's called, Oh Wasp, Where is Thy Sting? Uh, if you thought the first pitch delivered in the now famous sellout issue of Astonishing number 68 was it? I don't know. 
of this story was a sizzler. Wait till you catch this fastball from the bonus babies of the Marvel bullpen, edited with perfect control by Stanley, written with all bases covered by Al Hartley, drawn with the impact of a line drive by Bob Powell, inked with the beauty of a three bagger by John Giunta. Giunta. And- Giunta and lettered with only a few errors by Sam Rosen. Most of that was baseball references for those of you who don't like that stuff. Um, so one last issue, uh, the the what's his name? The Tornado Wizard Green uh, Shoot. Human Top? Human Top. I think he changes his name at some point, doesn't he? To something he becomes cooler. Whirlwind later. Whirlwind, that's what I was going for. But let's call him Human Top, Pace Pot Pete. Uh, Human Top decided to get vengeance on his arch enemy again. This time he learns how to fly. He attacked Giant Man and the Wasp and stole the Wasp as Giant Man jumped out the building trying to shrink down. If we all remember correctly, kids, he can't shrink small anymore. And not only that, but when he shrinks from giant to regular or back again, it takes forever now for some reason. So he's like hanging on a windowsill trying to either get bigger or smaller. I can't remember which as the human top spins away with the Wasp. Um, so that sucks for him. Oh, he was trying to get bigger. He finally gets bigger and manages to like, you know, step down on the ground from this high skyscraper window. He kind of, you know, meanders around in the woods looking for him, but he can't find him. Meanwhile, the human tops goes back to his lair. Um, he's got the wasp completely powerless and under his control because he holds her wrist. And, uh, he then points out as he's holding her wrist that he has created this big hole, uh, that these construction worker guys, I guess, who work for him are doing for him. And he's going to, like, lure Giant Man into the trap, the hole. Like, he's going to just fall in, and that's the curtains for Giant Man. The wasps, who can do nothing because her wrist was held, can talk to her new wasp pet, which she does. She whispers, you know, Gandalf style, and he goes on his way. He uh, makes it to the Giant Man, who luckily doesn't swat him, but instead recognizes, hey, that's the Wasp's Wasp. And he listens. Um, He can't shrink down to ride the Wasp, though, so he makes the Wasp bigger, and then he jumps on its back. So now there's like a full-size, human-sized Wasp flying around. The neighbors are like, what the heck? The bewitched neighbors. Um, The Wasp leads Giant Man to where the Wasp is. There's two Wasps going on here. The wasp leads Giant Man to the superhero wasp, um, and he jumps off, and he comes becomes really big. And, of course, what does he do? Uh, 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 he tumbles into the hole. There's, like, this weird uh, uh, human top but not the human top thing that pops out and, like, knocks him into the hole, actually. But once he – it looked like a city, but it's really just made of cardboard or something because he falls right through it, and he, it's, like, really just a pit of steel, and he can't get out. Um, but the wasp – but there's, like – the human, top, the human top and the wasp are in the other room, and they can see him through the window. And the wasp was like, well, how about I just open this door? So she opens the door, and he's like, no, you open the door. And Giant Man sticks his big giant fingers in and, like, flicks the human top. Um, or, no, tries to uh, catch the human top, but the human top spins around and knocks his fingers off. Meanwhile, the wasp jumps into the trap with Giant Man. So now they're both in there, and the human top turns on... The trap, which is basically setting the room to, like, sub-zero ice. Um, So they're both frozen to death, essentially. And then he uses a big crane to pull Giant Man out, the frozen Giant Man out, and the wasp. But lo and behold, they crash and come out from his hand. And he's like, what? But I thought you were giant and stuck. He's like, no, I shrunk down to normal size. And 
punches him. Then they get into a big whirlwind fight. Uh, but at some point, the whirlwind or the the you know the human top l- runs into Giant Man's ice sculpture. I'm not making this up. And falls into the uh, pit himself. And then he's like flash frozen. So the Giant Man and Wasp turn him over to the police. And then it's explained that how did you survive the frozen? trap and he's like well once we were getting frozen we shrunk to normal size and like snuggled in the finger so we stayed warm and like okay that's cool and then they walk away and i think they talk about retirement but i can't remember yeah yeah um, he's like he's like oh this woman's tired of living dangerously and she's like yeah i want to go to hawaii or something and it's the end that's the end of their adventures that is the end of the series we ended it it on that definitely a note to go out on a note, yeah. A flat note, maybe. Yeah, it's just, it's it's one of those stories that's all plot-driven and just, you know, things are happening, but there's not a lot of heart or motivation to it. Mm-hmm. And things feel a little bit contrived, like the wasp is there, and I don't know. Um, there, there are a couple of comedic moments, but... The thing about the top is, like, when he first appeared, his whole thing was, I can get away from anybody. So I'm going to rob this bank and you can't catch me. And that's cool. That makes sense. It's his power, right? But the idea of him as an attacker and an aggressor is kind of eh. Because he's not really attacking and aggressing. He's grabbing the wasp and using her with his really dumb costume. I'm sorry. Yeah. I hate that costume. The last time he tried, he was arranging to have the Hulk do all his work for him or the missiles or whatever. That made Mm -hmm. sense. But this is just like, I'm going to, I can fly now. So I'm going to attack Giant Man and do what? Just like spin around him. It's kind of weird. Yeah. And by Um, the way, how do you fly holding someone when your whole flight thing is I spin around with a cape? Yeah. Because you need to get lift, right? So how are you going to do that while you're holding someone? And I tried to figure out like, because he says he goes 6,500. RPMs, mm-hmm. right? And that's why she's unconscious. And I tried to figure out like how that transfers to G-Force and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure she should just be dead. <laughs> but I'm not exactly sure because Google was giving me a hard time with it. But it seemed like it was like almost twice the speed of a G-Force thing that would like kill us. But I don't oh, know. Wow. So she's well, tough. I'll buy that he survives because that's, you know, his mutant power yeah, or whatever. right. He can survive, sure. But she's, like, being held. And maybe that's why she doesn't fight back because he just, like, thoroughly dizzied her. So at the beginning of the story, Giant Man's trying to find him. And, you know, when you're trying to track somebody, assuming Giant Man can track somebody, you're trying to find footprints. I think that 35 feet in the air is definitely a good place to try to find <laughs> well, he's tracks like- or He's really lame in the powers now because he had to grow big because he's hanging off that ledge. Mm-hmm. And it takes him like a half hour to grow big. And so once he's big, he just stays that way because he can't shrink back and forth. Seems like. Seems like. I don't know. Seems like. He, they never did solve his shrinking to Ant-Man thing and they left us with that. So. Yeah, they didn't resolve that in this story, did they? No. So he still, he grows, he's grown, he's growing bigger than he's ever grown before, but it takes him a while and he can't shrink anymore. So, hmm. This art is also really creepy in the last panel of that page. Like, I mm. think they're trying to portray Wasp waking up while he's touching her face. She just looks dead. Yeah, either dead or, like, freaked out. Yeah, he's either touching her dead face, <laughs> which it looks terrible, uh-huh. or she's very startled while he's touching her face. But I keep on saying touching her face because why is he touching her face? Yeah, because he never takes her mask off. Mm-mm. Was that was that like supposed to be dialogue that they forgot to write? Like he was going to take her mask off, but decided against it. 
Because it seems like that's what that panel should be saying, but he doesn't say that. Yeah, maybe he's going to unmask her to see who she is, and then she wakes up. And see, the thing is, I know that later on this guy gets a crush on her, and we see that some here. In fact, there's some really weird incel mentality that starts in uh, page four. Um, or maybe it's three? Um, I don't know, but... No, it's it four. Is. Soon the, the final victory, the greatest victory will be mine. Um, surely, when you have seen the ease with which I dispose of him, you will not question that I, the human top, am invincible among men. Only I am deserving of your loyalty and perhaps one day even of your love. Yeah. So, like, killing whom you love will make me worthy of your love. That's right. That's how women are. You know, they go for the toughest. Yeah. That's all they care about. That's why you and I are married, because we are tough. (laughs) We're so awesome like that. (laughs) This has been a bad story trope since before we had the name for it, the whole incel thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But the whole, like, wasp, where is your sting quote is Very accurate. Huh? Really accurate? Well, it's accurate in a literal meaning, but it's it's a weird illusion. Like, do you know the quote? Um, No, I guess I don't. It's a Bible quote talking about the resurrection and the apostle who's writing says in the so grave, where is your sting death? Uh-huh. Where is your victory? Meaning you have lost uh-huh. and like now you're powerless. So the whole, where is your sting is rhetorical because you have known anymore. And so like asking wasp your wasp, where is your sting is, is weird. Cause like, he's just trying to say wasp, where are you? Mm. It, it's just, I don't know. It's a weird use of the quote. It's weirdly inappropriate. Well, that and I just find it absolutely bizarre that she does nothing to try and stop this guy. And he just stands there next to her the entire time. Like, she is. Punch him in the neck. On one of the most useless wasp stories. Yeah. He's holding her wrist and that's just somehow like her kryptonite or something. I don't know. Right. She could totally destroy this guy as he stands there. But whatever. And, and Giant Man uses her wasp. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the one thing she does is get her wasps to come tattle, but that's about it. We have the old people shouting, get off my lawn. That was funny. I liked it. I like when they throw a little real world crud in there. How can a man relax with giant flying insects buzzing back and forth outside his window? <laughs> Honestly, I think a man his age would have outgrown such nonsense. Yep. That was fun. It's like the one fun moment. <laughs> yeah. Because then we get back to the human top and his whole thing is, I'm going to be Mr. Freeze. And it's like, this is just like not on point. This is not on theme. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. And how did you build this big cardboard construction city and this pit? And eh, and like, why, is, like, that like, a, oh, why is that an effective trap? Why is that an effective fa- trap for a giant? Yeah, I don't know. Right. In page seven, the narration says this may well be his final fight. As in, get it? Because we're canceling the series. <laughs> So that reminds me, on page one, when they say it's a sellout issue, like I don't know numbers because I don't look these numbers up, but if it's a sellout, I would think that they wouldn't cancel Giant Man if it's selling out all the time. Or is it selling out because of the Hulk? Um, Well, A, they don't know that it's a sellout because that issue hadn't gone on sale when this one was being produced. (laughs) Oh, good point. Good point. Right. True. But also, there's no way. I mean, yeah, you're right. Exactly. Astonish would not be canceling Giant Man if people were writing and saying, I love Giant Man. They were buying every issue. Yeah. Um. Oh, Jan has a new mask. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. She does. Kind of, huh? Yeah. It's, it's got more pointy. Like, it's shaped like a W. It's shaped like a W. It's a big red W that covers her eyes. I feel like Jan has not improved her costume since we've been reading Jan. I don't know. 
Honestly, like, I really like the uh, little teeny bopper insect chic look that she started with. Yeah, that was fine. But anyway, I guess, you know, she likes fashion, so it kind of makes sense that she changes her costume all the time. Um, page seven, the last panel is foreshadowing. The guy smacks Jan, Jan and it uh-huh. says, if the human top had any admirers at all, he was uh, certainly lost them by this ungallant behavior. Yeah. So let's do that with Hank later. Yeah, 1980, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunate. Again, pretty violent, actually, for what we've been reading lately. Yeah. Smacking a, not to be sexist, but smacking a female around. Oh, no. And um, page nine, uh-huh. he's not shrinking down to get through that window, which it would be really handy. This would be a good time to remind us that his size changing is drastically slower than before. But I feel like they forgot. Like yeah. Bob Powell probably didn't forget because he's drawing the story, but the scripter forgot. That would have been good. Although it is a cool visual to have him sticking his fingers through that doorway and trying to grab him. It's kind of cool. Those are cool visuals. Um, yeah, the whole ice thing, whatever. And yeah, I don't know. It just wrapped up sad. It did. Eh. Although Jan is size changing on her own. He didn't. He doesn't just do it for her this time. Yeah, they never do like outwardly state when that starts happening, do they? It just no. kind of happened one day. Okay, um, I'm going to make a horrible yeah. joke that crosses the streams. You okay. Ready? Uh-huh. Bluffing someone into falling into a freeze vat. Is that what you'd call the carbonite maneuver? <laughs> it's yep. a little Star Trek, Star Wars mix for all you kids out there. Um, and Ghostbusters. Um, and Ghostbusters, because it's crossing the streams. But that's, so uh, this, that's, is that's, that's, this is it. This is it. Giant Man Wasp. Walking to the sunset, we don't see them. They're not in the Avengers anymore either, so I imagine we just don't see them anytime soon. Or, yep, they they're away for a few months, and it certainly sounds like he wants to give it up. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that maybe the whole I wasn't I, I wasn't even thinking about you line from the Avengers issue mm-hmm. might have a little bit more context now that this ended, but uh, but no, they're just gonna go and uh, it's just like he just suddenly decided that she's tired of it, and so he's gonna do something about it. Where like they've never talked about that before. Mm-hmm. But they don't talk a lot in this, really. So No. Any man of courage is willing to fight for right and for the woman he loves. But no man has the right to live so dangerously that the woman at his side is constantly in peril. So he's giving up his superhero life because he's tired of putting Jan in danger. I actually, as I'm saying that out loud, I like it less and less because like, she's enjoyed being an adventurer. She even says in response, darling, I don't want things to be different. I'm proud of you just as you are. Yeah. And then the guy's like, sounds like Giant Man's getting ready to retire. Maybe he's just using her as an excuse because he wants to just go play in his lab and stop fighting. When she says that she wants to go on a vacation, that's fine. Taking vacations and superheroing is good. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, she says that in the Avengers issue. But to yeah. just like give up all the superheroing, that's kind of what their relationship has been built around. So it's going to be um, curious to see how they are whenever they come back. All right, well, so this is the last story. Do we want to pause and have any reflection on the entire history of Ant-Man thus far or Ant-Man and the Wasp thus far? Like any highs that you could think of that you wish they had or any un, you know, untapped potential or things they dropped or I don't know, any thoughts? Um, I feel like you have had a note that has come up a few times that I really agree with. This was a lot more interesting to read when he was Ant-Man. Yes. There was there was the the artistic perspectives and everything that goes along with that. 
it was the fact that he and Jan were the same size. And so even if they were small, they were still palling around um, the, the stories they were telling. I mean, still weren't great, but were often a lot more interesting than these were. There was the branding of I'm Ant-Man. I've got my catapult. I've got my ant chariot. I've got, all, you know, all this ant stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get to giant. Well, Ant-Man solo bringing in the wasp made things a lot more interesting, I think. And I love Jan. Mm-hmm. Then you get to Giant Man, and I feel like we've had very few and far between stories where we're like, hey, mm-hmm. Giant Man does pretty good today. We had one, I think, but yeah, I remember just recently, but that's but, about it. And it was mostly because of artistic stuff. And he shrunk a lot in that one. So I wonder right. if we just missed Ant-Man. <laughs> I remember like we us thinking that he was like Batman. When we were reading Ant-Man, you know, like they mm-hmm. wanted him to be Batman. Like he was the protector of whatever city they thought he was in. I don't think they mm-hmm. gave us one or they gave us one. It wasn't New York. It was something. It, it was Center City. It was, it was like Center the New Jersey that's just off of Manhattan. Yeah. And instead of bat gadgets, he had ant gadgets and an ant theme. And like the people knew him as a hero. Hey, it's Ant-Man and Ant-Man thwarts this guy again. And that was just kind of cool. Although I do remember kind of complaining about the catapult and stuff like that. But like in hindsight, I like that way better. Um, all those kind of clever ideas. And you're right. Like the perspective was more interesting. The fights were more interesting. And then he turns to giant man and he's just like, he loved just being like big and strong. And suddenly he's not clever anymore or something mm-hmm. or, and he just thumps around and sort of dumb and sometimes ant, sometimes giant and eh, and it just and wasn't like, as cool. In the second Ant-Man movie, he becomes giant man. And like this really big dramatic moment. Mm-hmm. And it should be because he just got freaking giant. Mm-hmm. But normal day to day business, you're fighting bad guys. You don't go 12, 20 feet tall in a room with bad guys. You're and I kind of norm- go ahead. Sorry. I'm just saying, like, like going down to ant size, going mm-hmm. back and forth between tiny and normal would be a lot more reasonable. I kind of like the conceit also in the MCU that, like, when he does that big thing, it's because it's a last resort and it's going to involve him getting lightheaded and fall over and be useless after. Mm-hmm. So it's like, don't use that unless you really, really need to use that. And right. otherwise just do the cool, like, man, wasp fighting in the MCU. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Do, do more of that. You know, I don't know. And let's talk about her for a little bit too. I mean, she, oh, yeah. she's had some growth. Her personality has actually managed to metamorphose a little bit for all the little bits they've used her in. Mm -hmm. Um, She has always been doughy-eyed for Hank, Mm -hmm. and she was juvenile about it at the beginning. She's still a little bit juvenile about it now, but she's matured as their relationship has matured. Um, She really liked the superheroing, although she likes to have other aspects of her life, too. Um and so taking a break from superheroing to, you know, go see jazz or go to Greece or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think like personality wise, she's pretty on point. You got to remember, this is also very young Jan still. So it's okay to be a little juvenile about romance and finding guys hot and stuff like that. But I think even later on, she's going to find guys hot and she's not afraid of that. And she's not afraid of being flirty and she's not afraid of enjoying shopping and, you know, doing all the stereotype woman things she wants to do. Like she's into that. And I like that about her, but she also likes to be a badass superhero. And I like that about her too. So the only thing that's really lacking for Jan and all these stories that they, is that they don't let her be a badass. Mm-hmm. That's it, really. Like, I think her personality's there. I think if they would just let her not just be, you know, Robin the kidnapped wanderer, the boy hostage all the time, 
Right. It would have been cooler. Like, let her kick some butt. But that's just the way these are. And they occasionally would let her do stuff that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even in the Avengers, like, she would get left off the marquee. <laughs> because oh, she's... Yeah. Hey, hey, Rick, do you want to be an Avenger like Wasp? What? Yeah. What does that mean? Does that mean Wasp? You don't think Wasp is an Avenger or like she would be equal to Rick if Rick was an Avenger? Right. What? That is craziness. Anyway. So, yeah, so, it's it's more like it's less about Jan not being cool and more about the writers just not using her correctly. Mm-hmm. Because in the future when she is cool, she still kind of has this personality, but she's just way more fun because she does things. And Hank is kind of the reverse problem. He is a less cool character, and they use him a lot. And it's just like <laughs> it's hard to elevate a less cool character to cool stories. It's almost like he got less cool as we went. I feel like he got less cool as we went along because if you think about those early Ant Man stories, he seemed a lot cooler. Yeah, yeah. And now he seems really dumb, and I don't know what happened. But there are definitely some fans of Hank Pym out there. I'm what I'm looking forward to, to reading, and it, we may never get there in this show, but either in my own, either here on the show or in my own reading, I'm looking forward to the next solo Ant Man series, which I think is in Marvel feature. Mm. Um, he has a run for a while where he's doing Ant Man stuff again um, in the late '60s, early '70s, and I I've never read those before, so I'm hoping that mm. those are are decent. Because um, his time in the Avengers is coming up soon. Is He's not the greatest contributor to those stories. I'll just leave it at that. But I remember liking him in West Coast Avengers, but we'll never get there. But no. uh, that was just when he was Hank Pym, too. It's like he just gave up the identity thing, and I'm just going to do whatever. I'm going to be the right. scientist guy. It was kind of cool. Biochemist Hank Pym. That's his superhero mm-hmm. name. Yeah. Hey, there's another story in this. Oh, really? I forgot. I didn't, realize. I didn't either. We could just skip it, but let's I hear go. it's pretty incredible. It's the Incredible Hulk, actually, trapped in the lair of the leader. Hulkling story by Stan Lee, Hulksome art by Jack Kirby, Hulkish inking by Mick DeMeo, and Hulkable lettering by Art Simek. As we remember last time, the leader captures the Hulk because I think he, like, smothered them with those humanoid pink things or something. So Hulk is unconscious. The pink things are picking him up and taking him away. The leader is also stealing this Absorbatron that they still haven't told us what it is yet. But uh, they the do in this issue. They do in this issue. The Navy is watching all this happen, and they're just like, oh, the Hulk's in on it or something, I think. Anyway, he, uh, the leader takes the Absorbatron and Hulk by way of like space or something to his lair. I'm not exactly sure how that works. The Navy comes in to find – that's what happens. The Navy sees all this happening, so they go ashore to like investigate, and they find Talbot unconscious, and he's like, where's Banner? Oh, he's a traitor. He must be. He's working with the Hulk. They always say that. Um, gets back to the leader. The leader puts the Hulk under this in this room and keeps him asleep by way of uh, unconsciousness gas, an airtight chamber thing. Um, but – for some reason, what that what he doesn't know is that that when the Hulk goes to sleep now, he turns to Bruce Banner. So Bruce Banner, for some reason, is not calibrated to the same gas that was knocking the Hulk out. So when he turns to Bruce Banner, he wakes up and he does cool Bruce Banner sciencey things to send a Morse code message back to uh, uh, the not the base, but to the hideout that Rick and Banner used to hang out in back in the day in the original back series. In the way day. Back in the way day. So we got the military. I don't know. Oh, did they also intercept it? I can't remember how they figure anything out. But they are going over there, too, for some reason. Naval radar attracted to this very area. Okay. Naval the radar. The Absorbatron. 
naval radar attack or tracks the, the 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 absorbitron so they're all getting in their jeeps and their tanks and they're on their way to confront the leader and meanwhile rick jones who was just back from the avengers with his like you know port key teleporter thing he must have uh <laughs> Um, 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 he catches up with, or he intercepts, uh, Banner's, uh, SOS. So he goes also, um, the leader looks inside, sees that the Hulk is no longer laying on the slab, but he doesn't see Banner because Banner's like hiding against the wall. So he's like, I better pump this thing with some, a lot of gas because if the Hulk's awake. So he does that and that stresses Banner out, turns him into the Hulk. Uh, but the Hulk doesn't go to sleep. He punches the wall. And knocks it over. They get into a big fight. The Hulk has like this idea that he should not let the leader have the Absorbitron. By the way, what does the Absorbitron do? I think it absorbs nuclear bombs or something, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it says it on page two. And I wrote down, oh, that's what it does. But I forget now what it does. I think it absorbs all the radiation. Um, so if you're attacked it can by an atomic. power the atom bomb making its owner safe from any atomic attack. Right. So, so it's a defensive measure. So, in other words, like, you can't kill the leader with a nuclear bomb if he has the Absorbitron, I guess. Right. Like uh, shield. You just use a bullet instead. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the Hulk's, like, he has some vague recollection about the Absorbitron and how it's not good to be an enemy hand. So, he needs to destroy it. He tosses a big hunk of, you know, science at it just as the leader is shooting him with uh, – a gun that has the power of a trillion concentrated molecules. So that's a lot. And unfortunately, he doesn't get a direct hit, but he hits the Hulk hard enough to where the Hulk falls over. But nonetheless, his his aim is true, and the Absorbitron explodes. It leaves the leader in a fiery lab. He escapes with a cool Kirby shuttle. The military show up, and they're like sifting through the debris. And Hulk stands up, and he's like, I had, you know, Hulk had to destroy it to protect whatever. And they're like, oh, no, it's the Hulk. He's the enemy. So they start shooting at him. Rick Jones runs in and goes, no, no, you have it all wrong. Don't shoot. Bruce is in there probably. And they're like, really? And he runs past the guards. And he's not wrong. They find Bruce Banner unconscious. They check the – Talbot checks the pulse. And there isn't one. And he says, gentlemen, the traitor is dead. And that's the end. No more Hulk either, I guess. No more Hulk. It's canceled. It doesn't quite explain how, like, he was the Hulk and they shoot at him and then he's Bruce Banner and dead. But maybe they'll cover that next issue. I don't know. Something weird happens. It's the opposite of throwing Bruce at a rock and him turning into the Hulk and surviving. Mm. He was the Hulk and they shot him and he turned into Bruce and died. Very inconvenient. I think, actually, that he was already Bruce. No, he says Hulk had to destroy the machine. He might have been in the process of changing. He might have been in the process of changing or they'll explain something next issue. But- it's kind of ambiguous what happened because it happens like sort of off panel. You don't actually see the bullets hit him. He's behind a fire. R- you know, Rick and the crew have to go like digging him out and stuff. And then they find him and he's dead. So, dun, dun, so dun. Whoever, whoever the next Hulk is, hopefully he'll f- fare better. Yeah. It'll be Rick Jones, right? Right. Um, leader gets Hulk. And every time, you know, I'm green and this guy's green. You uh-huh. know, it's just possible that he got turned into a gamma monster just like I did. Yeah. He says it every time. He says it on page two there. First thing he says. Uh-huh. Uh, anyways, it's, it's just funny because it's like, wow, every single time. And he, he's like a trillion times smarter than all mortals, but can't can't make his own Absorbitron, I guess. I guess not. Yeah, he's never figured out the Absorbitron. He has to steal it. Maybe that's why he's actually smarter. Maybe he just steals everyone else's badness. <laughs> so Bruce Banner is smarter is what we're saying. 
Right. So interesting, interesting invention because, you know, just like Tony Stark, Bruce Banner in a way was kind of a yucky character because he's making bombs mm-hmm. for a living. And I don't know if like, I feel like that taint follows him forever in a way because like making bombs is yucky. So like now you have to justify, was he always a good guy who was just, why was he making bombs? Let's come up with reasons. Let, let's retcon reasons. But now he's making something that stops bombs. So that's better. I guess. Defends you from bombs. Yeah. And there's a whole like irony. They never really talk about it, but you know, he got hulked by his own bombs. So like his own warmongering is what turned him into a monster. Mm. Yeah. Good point. His own monstrousness turned him into a monster. Hey, same with Tony Stark. Exactly. But I don't remember I, them talk. I remember them. You telling me that Stan wanted to make a Tony Stark. That was just like the worst thing ever. And get people to still like him. Mm-hmm. I don't remember ever hearing that about Bruce Banner. You don't remember hearing about that with Bruce Banner? No, I feel like yeah, he was just a, a scientist who got, you know, because mm-hmm. that's still back in the day of the monster bags. So mm-hmm. the Incredible was basically a glorified monster bag. He was a monster bag right. with a continued character yeah. trying to give us pathos and, and feeling about this, this being. Um, yeah. I feel like dissolving plastic should leave some kind of trace, but I guess I'm not a gamma powered scientist. But like these humanoids, after having them around for so long, you just like, psh. Okay, you're dissolved now. Goodbye. Yeah. He's really smart, though. A trillion times smarter than us. So that's how he knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. That's how he knows. Mm-hmm. Um, so Leader Hulk's and been, the Hulk are in the same room at the same time. And Hulk spends a lot of this issue unconscious. Uh-huh. I, crawl, I cry foul a little bit with this whole, like, the gas doesn't affect Bruce, but it affects the Hulk. Like, what is, how does that work? But that's okay. Minor quibble. Um, the gas oh, at, towards the end? Well, when he he's unconscious because the leader is filling that thing with gas to keep him unconscious, right? Oh, you're right. And then the same gas which kept the green-skinned Goliath asleep and helpless also slowly transforms his body chemistry. That makes sense to me still. But then it's like, what does he say? Luckily, the sleep clash which felled the Hulk is acting as an antitoxin in the body of Bruce Banner, so it's no longer affecting me. What? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. You're that right. That doesn't make any sense. But okay. Maybe it was a specifically designed gamma gas or something. And he also seems to remember a lot. I've been captured by the spy who calls himself mm-hmm. the leader. And I was like, how? why does he remember that so clearly? Because usually his Hulk time is like a, a vague cloud. And and conversely, in this issue, the Hulk remembers to destroy the, the whatever it's called, Absorbitron. Like he knows that that's a bad thing for the leader to have. But you could also just chalk all that up to like, I know it's a, it's convenient for the story, but like, I bet you every transformation is not exactly the same because it's all psychological and weird. So maybe sometimes they're more connected than other times. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I don't it, know. It's, it's a fluid, it's, it's, it's a, you know, ever changing thing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how when you're in a room talking and <laughs> the, yeah. the camera looks over your shoulder uh-huh. and there's a little creepy face in the window? Uh huh. Yeah. Where did Rick Jones creep in from? Because, oh, my God, he's creeping in the window while Talbot and Ross are talking. Where does he come from at all? They're really, like, not caring about Rick Jones' continuity at all with these these Avengers Hulk stories. Unless we're supposed to read Avengers in a big chunk and then Hulk in a big chunk. But I cry foul on that because Cap's always saying, like, oh, you just came back from the Hulk and vice versa. So it's time once again for Continuity Corner with John. Okay. Okay. So we saw Rick last issue visiting Bruce in his cell. Mm-hmm. Um, he just shows up. Hey, I heard you got in prison. 
visiting you in your cell, and then he visits him, and then he's not in the rest of the issue. Mm-hmm. We've also been seeing him in the Avengers. Mm-hmm. So here's what we had to figure out. Ready? Rick helped Captain America kill Dr. Zemo in the Avengers 15 and 16, and he goes to New York with him to meet the new Avengers. Then, in 17, we're going to see him briefly in New York as they get ready to head out for the first time to find the Hulk. And he's just going to disappear halfway through that story, never to be seen in the Avengers again. Just like he disappears halfway through Hulk stories sometimes. Mm -hmm. But this is when he transitions back to the Hulk stories. He's actually going to stay here for a while. Yeah. So we guess kind of had to figure what happened now. That adventure in the Avengers 17 that we haven't read yet, it takes place explicitly concurrent with this story. Like there's stuff in the Avengers 17 that is happening at the same time as events in this story. We're going to see that in a couple of episodes. So did Rick visit Bruce in jail before going to help kill Zemo, which means that two and a half Avengers issues have happened since the last Astonish issue? Or did he help kill Zemo, come over and say hi in jail, go back to help Cap with the new Avengers, then come back over here again? Either way, that's a lot of back and forth. Either way. And it seems like all he has is a car, and this is from Arizona to New York all the time. That's a lot of driving. That's a lot of driving. So Or flying, I think, if he flies. I think maybe he's a clone. I think I'm a clone now. There always seems to be another me around. Boy, I didn't read that whole uh, scroll invasion thing, but maybe they solved this problem with that. Is he a oh, scroll? Oh, is one of these Rick Joneses a scroll Jones? Boy, that would sure be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think the one with Cap should be the scroll because you'd think Banner would know the difference. And Cap doesn't really know Rick that well. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down with that. One of these is a scroll or, yeah, that's all I got. I don't know what else it could be. Well, whatever it is, Rick Jones, we're going to see him in the Avengers, but continuity-wise, he's done with that. He is now a Hulk character once again, and he's going to be here for a while. Um, Which I'm down with. I don't really love the snapper car Rick Jones so much, so. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about this more. But, like, the idea that he was going to become Bucky, like, uh-huh. the first time I read through this series, I was just kind of surprised that that fizzled. Yeah. Because I've always had it in my head. I don't know when I learned this, but Rick Jones is Bucky, too. Yeah, but – and and I, I agree with you. I was thinking the same thing, like, it'll happen. But then if you think about it, I know it won't happen until, like, around issues 108, 9, 10 or something like that. So that's a ways away. We have to get and through all the tales of suspense first. And five minutes. Yeah. But I was just thinking like, oh, this is the seeds to that. But then I started thinking more like, well, wait, we still haven't got through Tales of Suspense yet. So this is going to take forever for him to put on mm-hmm. the Bucky outfit. They're just talking. Um, we get some weird two-faced logic on the bottom of page seven. The green-skinned evil genius makes his one fatal mistake. Not realizing that, not realizing that the Hulk is, in reality, two individuals. He cannot suspect that the double quantity of gas is changing Bruce Banner's body chemistry once more. <laughs> Instead yeah. of putting him to sleep, it's causing him to change again. I didn't like that. I think it would have been cooler if the fear just kicked it on and then he managed to punch out before it kicked in or something. Mm-hmm. That would have been easier, but they're trying to be sciencey about it, and sometimes they overscience things. I think. I think they do overthink the science at times because because he looks really frightened, and he, why not? Like gas is coming in now, he's going to panic, right? What happens mm-hmm. when he panics? He turns to the Hulk. What happens when the Hulk is awake? He punches holes in walls and ventilates rooms. So that would have worked. That's all you need. That's all you need. But that's okay. 
the leader says he's going to attack with a direct hit by the power of a trillion concentrated molecules. Mm -hmm. So what does Hulk do? He picks up a trillion concentrated molecules and throws it at the machine. So they're both attacking with lots of molecules. Mm -hmm. It's just one's in a gun and one's in a, like the whole power of a trillion concentrated molecules was dumb. I feel like that's the most powerful gun in the entire universe or something. I guess. If a trillion concentrated molecules sounds as dangerous as it sounds, or is as dangerous as it sounds, I'm not really sure what that means exactly, a trillion concentrated molecules, but... I mean... Like, like does that do something? I think, like, a cup of water has, like, trillions and trillions uh, of molecules. So I was going to say, aren't we just, like, the palm of our hand has trillions of molecules or something? <laughs> when Hulk picks up that barrel and tosses it at the machine, isn't that, like quintillions of molecules yeah, it just sounds more sciencey again i guess right and they're trying to explain why this one handgun hurts the hulk so i guess i'm down with that but and then bruce dies and then bruce dies somehow cool cliffhanger Mm-hmm. better than the thor one better than the thor one better than the giant man one but we still have one more to go i can't see my way to synopsizing this issue oh here comes daredevil the man without fear, soaring to still greater heights of glory on stilts. Number eight. Number eight, yes. Um, I don't know if we said this, but like all of these issues are coming out on April 1st. Oh. So this is a big, fat April Fool's Day. <laughs> and yet we're supposed to take these seriously. Uh, I, I don't know if I can take the stilt man comment <laughs> seriously. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> written with the inventive genius of Stan Lee, drawn with the artistic brilliance of Wally Wood, lettered with the scratchy pinpoint of S. Rosen. Um, yeah, so we dive into action. There's a car careening out of control. There's one about to get hit. So Daredevil swoops down on his on his swinging billy club, uh, catches a one, throws her out of the way, literally, onto one of those awning things, sits in the car to try to stop it. Uh, oh, no, there's a time bomb in the bus. And uh, you can't go under 50 miles an hour. No, that's just kidding. He stops the, he stops the car. Um, stilt Man is a guy who has these hydraulically powered stilts. So he's just a normal dude with the longest legs in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And so he stilts up in front of a helicopter to try to stop the helicopter and steal the jewels from them. Meanwhile, Daredevil is still trying to drive the time bomb car. He drives it off a pier into the water and it blows up just barely not killing him. Um, Daredevil swings around trying to um, find crime. He hears, he sticks his billy club out in the air and listens to the microphone. Hears that there is a crime going on over there. He swings over and hey, look, it's Stilt Man, but he follows him around the corner of a building and poof, he's gone. That's not possible. How could anybody disappear when they're just that freaking huge? So he decides that he is too confused to go on being Daredevil today. So he goes back to his work. He caresses Karen's face while she says, you need to get your eyeballs so you can see how pretty I am. He's like, oh, I do need to see how pretty you are. I might just do that. Oh, wait. Hi, Foggy. I'm sorry. I was touching her face. People are doing that a lot in this episode. And Foggy's like, um, yeah, 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 you're touching Karen's face. And Karen's like, it's not what you think. He wasn't really touching my face. And I'm just going to keep saying that over and over again. Um, meanwhile, a new client walks in. Hello, my name is Wilbur Day. 
and Wilbur Day wants to sue one of his employers for stealing his inventions. Matt Murdock's like, okay, I think we can support you. Let's call your boss. And boss is like, no, I'm not settling out of court. Go ahead, sue me. I dare you. So Matt's like, I guess we're going to sue him. Meanwhile, I'm going to go do some working out. So he goes and does some working out, puts on his daredevil costume with its cybernetic hood lining and his radio antenna horns. Wait, his what? Mm-hmm. His radio antenna horns. Okay. And so, meanwhile, Stiltman has stilted himself up to a party on top of a roof. He uses a vacuum cleaner to suck up all their monies. Daredevil tries to get him, but gets knocked down because Stiltman. Um, Wilbur Day comes back, and they talk some more, and and Matt realizes from his, um, his what do you call it, radar sense mm-hmm. hearing that yeah. there's somebody else lurking outside the door coming, and it is Caxton, the boss, the stingy boss. So Caxton and Wilbur have a big old argument. Matt realizes that both of them are lying. Both of them are hiding something, and Matt doesn't really know exactly what's going on. Um, so he decides to leave and go be Daredevil and follow Caxton to where he's going. He follows Caxton's car, and then he gets run into by Stiltman. Um, he's fighting Stiltman and Stiltman unstilts, shrinks down and knocking Daredevil off of him. So Daredevil's at a super tall height and he's falling. Oh no, it can't end this way. I can't be have beaten by Stiltman. Um, so what else? Stiltman starts stilting through the uh, ocean and the bay and walking over the bridge. Meanwhile, Daredevil realizes he can't beat Stiltman. So he turns to Matt Murdock, goes to see his client Wilbur Day. Wilbur is sleeping in his house. They go out in the backyard. Oh, no, they go over to Caxton's house to try to talk to him. And they go in the backyard of Caxton's house, and there are the stilts. And Matt's like, why do you have these stilts here? And Caxton's like, I'm not going to answer you. I have an assault rifle, and you're in my home, and I can shoot you dead if you don't leave. So they keep arguing, and Matt slowly begins to realize that Wilbur has really been pulling one over on him. Mm -hmm. Um, Wilbur punches Matt Murdock, and... He goes and gets the stilts and he puts on the stilts and stilt man's away. Turns out he um, stole the stilts from Caxton. He has been stilt manning the entire time and Caxton was trying to get him to stop using the stilts. Um, so he stilt man's away and Daredevil goes after him, gets on a train, uh, training after stilt man. Uh, he shoots stilt man with some sort of shrinking ray and Stiltman shrinks down to the microverse and disappears. He's no longer there. He's poof. He's gone. So Matt Murdock goes back to his uh, house. Uh, Caxton is there saying, hey, this man assaulted my house. Wilbur and Matt Murdock are both guilty of, of um, breaking and entering. And they're like, uh, yeah, you're you're not going to get sued anymore, though. Wilbur decided to drop all charges. So um, are we all good? And Caxton's like, yeah, I guess we're all good. So they leave. And uh, Matt Murdock tells Karen he does not want to get his eyes fixed. He does not want to go to the eye doctor that she has picked out for him. And she storms off. You know, I really wish you would love me. And it's the end. Mm-hmm. Well, my first Stiltman story. Is I gave him f- some crap. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't mean to. It just kind of kept coming out that way. Well, he's Stiltman. He's Stiltman. It's, it's a little bit of a ridiculous concept, but mm-hmm. they do manage to work out some pretty dynamic scenes with it in the story. <sighs> So that's the plus I have for this. Like Stiltman himself is absurd. He's always been absurd. He's kind of the 
But anytime you need a dumb villain to reference, Stiltman's perfect, you know. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this issue is where Wallywood, who's already done a few issues, but this is the one where he, like, defines how Daredevil should look and be. Right. Like, so in that sense, this was a really cool issue. Like, he's all obviously has the red suit, which is a plus. He's got the grace that he usually shows as a plus. They're now doing the radar thing around his head. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. They've got that. He just has that look of a guy who's like not relying on his eyes to get things done, which he kind of hasn't had before. So while I think in that sense, this is a really cool issue. I don't know about the whole plot and Stiltman stuff, but visually it's amazing. Things I liked. Um, I, I thought that the twist with Wilbur Day being the actual villain was slowly built. By the time it happens, you figure it's probably true, but you don't know that's the way it's going to turn out whenever Wilbur Day first walks in and and mm-hmm. Matt Murdock takes the case. I feel like that was a, a nicely developed plot line. Um, Stiltman is a dumb, kooky concept that is still kind of fun to look at. He's mm-hmm. on the more comic side of comics. So if you're going to have a Stiltman story, you've got to be able to say, okay, you know, I'm not going to take this one as seriously because it's Stiltman. But even mm-hmm. so, they did some pretty fun adventuring in this one. Um, I mean, essentially his power is I can rob things that are tall. Right. Or <laughs> once I've robbed something, I can get away quickly because I can make my oh. leg five miles long and walk okay. away really fast. There is that, I guess. Yeah. Dude, I remember, I still remember the the time I met mind first processed this. I was at the zoo and I was at the giraffe paddock. Uh-huh. And so the giraffe's walking around. Now giraffe legs are really long. And I was watching this giraffe take casual steps, but the legs were so long that it was like covering a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just what I pink think of with, with, with giant man. And now with stilt man that like they can move really far. Here's the thing with stilt man though, is that if you try to imagine the actual motion of the body, you start to really wonder because they're hydraulic pumped straight stilt legs mm-hmm. there are no knees Mm-mm. so he's pulling one leg up leaning <laughs> forward on one leg and shoving the other leg back down before he falls over on his face and then he does it again he leans he pushes himself forward pulls his back leg in and then pushes it in forward again before he tips over on his face again so it's a little bit even more ridiculous than you think it is mm-hmm. once you actually start thinking about how it works because unlike a giraffe his legs are miles long right and they grow and shrink they don't just move yeah i mean maybe they could just move maybe he's like waddling away waddle 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 still not very exciting um, I liked the action at the beginning of the issue. I thought Daredevil was on a real journey to save that woman. Mm-hmm. Don't stop screaming. Mm-hmm. Hold on to that feel. Anyway. I can't remember how it relates to Stiltman, though, or does it? It's just completely unrelated. There's a bomb. I, there's a bomb in the car, but I don't think it relates to anything. That is kind of weird, right? Yeah. Where, where, who did that? Who put a bomb in a car and had it going down the street with no driver? Oh, wait, he figures it was a decoy to distract him police officers away from another situation. Okay. While so, that car is careening, Stiltman is, is uh, facing off with a helicopter. Because no one's going to notice him because of the car. Right. Right. Because he's so tall, you can't see him. Mm-hmm. There's just this big foot sitting outside of the news building. But I wrote down the same thing you said earlier. They're finally getting the visuals to represent his radar sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have to point out that radar does not see through solid objects. 
So he could not radar that there was a bomb there, but maybe he could acutely hear the direction of the ticking. Well, it does say tick, 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 tick. That's kind of cool, too. And then they do the heartbeat thing a couple times. Like, they're just getting the uh, shorthand for how his visual, you know, the visuals for how his non-visuals work. It's kind of cool. Let's talk about some Matt and Karen. Okay. Matt, you made a mistake. You, like, made a move on Karen after having already promised not to because, you know, that Foggy wants to marry her. Mm-hmm. And then he gets caught. He's like, I wouldn't have had this happen. It's like, you wouldn't have gotten caught if you could help it, or you shouldn't have made the move on Karen. Also, how do you get caught when you can hear Foggy 20 miles away before he gets to the building? So did you want to get caught, or were you just not paying attention, or what? Karen's really hot, yo. Distracted him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with this, though, because Matt is horrible with women. So here we go, guys. <laughs> this is the beginning. This is definitely in character. This isn't just um, 60s sexism. This is like actually Matt just being bad with women. Right. So she's heard from her eye specialist that she has mentioned ever since issue two mm-hmm. that she knew somebody back home. Well, turns out back home is in Boston. Dr. Mm. Van Eyck, the eye specialist in Boston, he wants to see Matt. Um and Matt at first is like, okay, sure. But then at the end of the issue, he's like, yeah, never mind. She's like really upset about him not being able to see. And part of me is like, come on, Karen, why can't you just love him for who he is? But I also feel like that final tirade was less about him being blind, more about him not willing to take chances. Because mm-hmm. she's also like to face responsibilities, to fall in love, sob. So like if he was just more actively into her, I don't think the blindness would bother her. But it's like right. she just she sees that as a symptom of other things about him where he's just always reserved and not willing to do anything to get what he wants. Agreed. She's I mean, she should leave well enough alone with his vision and just like mm-hmm. say, hey, this is a thing you can do if you want to. He has lived with it for most of his life. So she as a still relative. I mean, it's been a year at this point that she's been his employee. So I guess they have a, you know, a relationship by now. But, um, you know, some sort of working rapport. But he's never come out and explained anything. Like, in his thoughts, of course, he explains from a Daredevil point of view, he's worried about losing his other senses if he could see. But he doesn't ever give her anything to go with. Like, he never says what you just said. Like, I've been blind my whole life. I'm fine with it. I don't want to try something new that might screw everything up. Like, he's never said that out loud to her as far as I remember. So and then maybe also if, he, if he did, she might accept that. And he is insecure in his blindness, which, you know, is sometimes written better, sometimes written worse, because he says, I could never ask her to marry a sightless man. But it's like, okay, if you are insecure and you feel like you might get rejected because you're blind, that's one thing. But, like, refusing to ask someone to marry you because you're blind is kind of presumptuous. So, I don't know. We get a cool cutaway of his uh, billy club slash... Kane, I guess. Yeah, after the cool cutaway of his apartment, like two cool cutaways. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that, too. So, yeah, we're getting all those neat, like, how everything works kind of drawings, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love the radio helmet horn antenna thing because it's like, he has super hearing. Does he really need to pick up radio? Can he just listen whenever he wants to radio? And do horn, little, little bitty horn stubs, do those really work as, as the antenna? I don't know. Cars these days don't seem to have antenna. How does that work? Oh, you're right. That's true. But I don't, not in 1960, whatever, but. Because then you had like the really long metal rods for antenna. And my car that doesn't have an antenna has the worst radio ever. So maybe they don't work. Um, 
page nine, panel six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, <laughs> Caxton walks in and Dave's like, Caxton, you dare to come here? I'm right. I every down. Dave's like, um, no, she didn't. <laughs> but see, even this next page, 10, with the hearing of the, you can hear like, the, uh, their heartbeats or whatever, and it just shows a visual of like an EKG or whatever. That's just total right. daredevil. Very cool. Very daredevil. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yay, Wally Wood. Glad to have you. And um, yeah, Matt gets mad at the indignity of losing his stilt man. Um, I don't have a whole lot else for the rest of the issue until... Boy, has stilt man ever fought the Hulk? Because that'd be really satisfying. <laughs> the Hulk would just rip the legs off and he'd die. That would be so fun. Yep. Uh, yeah, the gun thing was really the lamest part, probably. Like, oh, I found this disintegrator gun that disintegrates or, you know, shrinks things Shrink to nothing things. so that they they can hang out with Dr. Doom. Uh, that was just a little convenient for me. I wish they would have come up with some other way to defeat him, but oh, well. I was also thinking that maybe he'll be saved by the same people who, wrote, who saved Dr. Doom. Yeah. He'll end up in that same village or wherever he was. Right, the microverse. Um, cool last panel. Very styly. Like you could see the silhouette or Matt standing there, but the silhouette is Daredevil. That's cool. Yes. That's 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 a Marvel motif. It happens with Peter Parker, it happens with Matt Murdock. The like their problems are looming behind them, represented mm-hmm. by their costume personas. Super awesome. It's pretty great. So yeah, I enjoyed this issue, but at the same time it was still man, so kinda like, eh yeah. yeah. But I did like it. I did enjoy reading it. So what are you gonna do? Well, we have somebody else who enjoyed this. Okay. Um, Dave Weeder, J. David Weeder, I should say, of Dave's Daredevil podcast. Uh, he actually started his um, Daredevil experience with a Stiltman story. So I have his comments here. Just trying to get to the beginning of them, and my computer is going slowly. There it goes. I'm going to show my bias, because Stiltman was the first Daredevil villain that I ever read about. Mm. I'm probably the only kid who ever pretended to be Stiltman. <laughs> probably. How do you pretend <laughs> With, to be Stiltman? You, you make stilts out of your legs. Like, oh. I guess you I do that. Cosplay. That's my next one. With or that said, one. he's a villain that has been mishandled a lot. The fact that he has become a punchline is evident, is evidence. He is, with no exceptions that come to mind, a villain that is a perfect match for Daredevil in a visual sense. His height allows for some dazzling shots of aerial acrobatics, and this truly manifests itself when Gene Colan draws Daredevil's battles. The fact that nobody has been able to think outside the box and present a great Stiltman story, well, besides me, isn't the fault of the character concept, it's because of occasionally short-sighted writing that has continuously fallen into the cliche of treating Stiltman like a joke. Okay. I don't know. I think he might be a little biased because it seems like kind of a joke already. Um, I am down for a good Stiltman story. I don't think this was quite I mean, it, but, but I don't think he was a joke here either. The thing is, you could make an awesome story about any character. So is it really a bad character or is it a bad writer? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, have you ever, you ever thought a character wasn't great and then you read a story and he was great and you're just like, oh, I have a whole new appreciation for, you know, Speedball or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens. I mean, certain characters are probably lend better to great stories than others, but I feel like if you're a good writer, you could make anything good kite man like that he's had a renaissance he's in he's kite man from tom king's run he's in everything and you know i'm not saying he's cool but he's been an interesting read and batman, batman villain yeah batman villain oh, kite man okay i have not well, been tom king batman. 
Tom King brings him back often as like kind of a joke, but still it's like, look what he's doing with Kite Man. Interesting. I don't know. You could do it. You could do anything. I'm looking up a uh, uh, Stiltman cosplay, and they're surprising. It's surprisingly lacking. So that's out there for everybody, people. If you're looking for something unique, what you need though are the stilts. Well, the stilts. I've seen people on stilts. Stilts seem to be like a thing, and then you can just like cover them up with the cool like Doctor Octopus arm legs and mm-hmm. and move forward. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll try it. I'm already tall, so all I need is. Another few miles. <laughs> I, I, I support you in your endeavors. I have faith in your abilities and hope for all the best. What if I show up at like Comic Con, but then I can't get through the door because I made my legs too tall? <laughs> that sucks. So, still world problems. <laughs> still <laughs> problems. <laughs> Well, well, let me know how that it. goes for you. That ends it, right? That does. So what do we got going on next week? We got three more books. Sergeant Fury, number 19, where he's really mad about what's-her-face dying. Uh, then we got Strange Tales, number 134, where the Watcher shows up for some reason. And Tales of Suspense, 67, where we got the, con- where we got the continuation of... Cap being under Red Skull's uh, thrall, and we got a new episode or a new story of Iron Man fighting seemingly every villain he's ever had. So, did I say Tales of Suspense 67? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, those are the three. Well, we have uh, recently been followed on Twitter by several people Michael Perkins at Mr. 666 Music, mm. Thomas Jordan at Thomas J and a bunch of numbers. I love my kids and I love sports. Mm. And SJW Galactus consumes Nazi planets. At wow. Ren underscore Chandler for socialist astro major. If I were a tree, I'd be Yggdrasil. Okay. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at make ours Marvel. Um, and you can also like us on Facebook. We always appreciate retweets, uh, sharing posts, all that fun stuff where, um, where can they find other ways of getting in touch with the show? Also make ours, Marvel.com. Where dun, dun, have dun. A, you'll have a link for the Twitter and the Facebook, if that's easier for you to figure out. Uh, you'll have a link to all the different ways you can listen to the show, or just type Make Ours Marvel into your favorite podcast app, and that should work, hopefully, knock on wood. And lastly, on the site, you can contact us through the form or by writing directly to podcast at makeoursmarvel.com. All right. I forgot what I'm supposed to do here. Well. Oh, yeah. All, 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 all of our other contacts. Okay, so... I'm on Twitter. You're on Twitter. We're both on Twitter. Uh-huh. Um, you don't like to do things on Twitter, so you don't like to talk about your Twitter, but you are at Kaiser the Great. They should know that. I just retweet a lot, but otherwise it's not super amazing. But I am at John Reads Comics, where I read comics. Um, my other shows are Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast at TFUK Podcast, also TFUKpodcast.com. Uh, all the pouches and image comics podcast at all the pouches or at my website, johnreadscomics.com. Guess what? I just recently got. Hmm. Thanks to friend of most of many of my shows, the 108th sage. I now have copies of all of my old podcasts. <gasps> Does that include the mighty shield? I don't think it has the mighty shield. It <sighs> has the ones I produced. Darn it. I feel really bad about letting that one accidentally disappear, but oh well. 
It's okay. It's it might okay. be on there. I, actually, the package just came. I have not opened mm. it up and dug into the uh, flash drive yet, but I am going to be um, posting those on my website again. Awesome. Um, I may do a just a, a set up a weekly release of old episodes and just kind of go until they're all up there. Um, so that's coming soon to johnreadscomics.com. Uh, and I also have a tweet blog about the Scarlet Witch at Let's Talk Wanda on Twitter. And that's all the good stuff. Awesome. So I think that's our episode. Yeah, it's our episode. We've got to get back to work. All right. Well, we'll be here next time. So until then, or until Rick Jones also becomes a Hulk, make ours marvel. marvel.